Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? Who did they worship? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this special episode of Fan of History. Where we are going to talk about who they worshipped. Oh yes we are. Do you know the name of the uh, Temple of Asher in the city of Asher? I don't, but I bet hopefully you do. I will give it a go now. This is the most holy temple of Asher at Asher. And it's called uh, Ekursagal Kurkura. Oh, please say it one more time. I will repeat that again. Ekursagal Kurkura. That is such words. That's, I had no idea what it means, but it's the Temple of Asher. Probably means the House of Asher. And just, they just, it doesn't sound like it means that. <laughs> no, I mean, well, that's because the English and all of our languages are like so far from Assyrian, I think. <laughs> yes. Just so far. And so, I mean, there's, you could probably talk about Assyrian religion from now until, until whenever. But, I mean, essentially, it's those things. I mean, it was the function in the temples, what you did. I mean, one other thing was, so the temples didn't have priests, so to speak. The priests were, were families, and they were all men. So anything that went on in there were for men. But for, so for women to be involved in the religion was when there was festivals. And as you remember, we had like the Babylonian New Year's festival and different festivals like that around the empire. That's when the god could come out of the temple and they'd have a big feast. There'd be a big sacrifice and then that would be like a festival. So that's when women could get involved in the religion and they wouldn't have to eat rotten food. It would be nice food and that kind of thing. Does this mean that the Assyrians had no temple prostitutes? You know, I would have to look into that, but I don't recall much about temple prostitutes. But Maybe that's a Babylonian thing. 
Also, the Phoenicians had those. And because the Israelites were the Hebrews were Canaanite, they had temple prostitutes. They were very upset about the temple prostitutes in the older, older parts of the Bible. And some of them were male prostitutes because they couldn't let females into the temple. And what the deal was is, wasn't wait, where did we get that? Where the deal was where you had to get the God wound up, you know, you had to get the God like hot and bothered. Oh, okay. Like an aphrodisiac. So that's why you had the temple prostitutes. So you did the business in the temple, and then the God would, you know, get aroused, and then that would cause him to be creative and create, you know, life and things like that. Mm -hmm. Kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about setting one up here, because, you know, like, oh, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> My house. <laughs> oh, Lord. It's, it's great. Really, I love studying religion in general, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to admit, you know, I'm basically... I would say agnostic, you know, mostly atheist. So, but I find religion just to be. I study religion so much because it's it's a big part of the human condition. It really is. Maybe there is something out there that I don't understand. I'm sure there is something I don't know. But the way, but I do feel the way humans um, just try to explain through religion is really fast. It's like art. It really is. It's like very similar in different cultures, but so different in, and put, they put their own spin on it. It's amazing. It makes me think of the Chavin and their their love of the Jaguars. Oh, yeah. But, uh, of course, religion is, uh, if you are a poor Stone Age guy and you don't know how the world works, you have no science, then religion is an easy answer. Yeah. And then somebody tells you that uh, this is the way it is because the some god created everything. Oh, yeah, some god. Good idea. Yeah, it makes more sense than, like, that there's tiny little pieces of you know, electrons trying to connect with other electrons and, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. For sure. So, of course, they wouldn't discover the Big Bang. No. No. But, um, yeah, I mean, you could you could probably have a, a whole podcast on ancient religions, actually. Let's stick with Assyria. I'm, yeah, absolutely. Especially for now, that's where we are. I think, I mean, I kind of went all over, but I think I covered a lot of it. I mean, did I... What do you do? Is there something else you think I missed that you want to ask me? I wish I could ask the listeners, like, ask me a question. If you have anything else in your text, uh, shoot. Oh, no, I think I'm kind of for that. I just meant a general. I think I, I have a few small points from my favorite source, Cambridge Ancient History. Awesome. For, uh, of course, the, the gods were first and foremost cities so like they had their own cities and the gods who had important cities were the most important uh, and of course Asher had and Nineveh and Arbail two of the most important cities in Assyria had Ishtar uh -huh. and Kala had Ninurta and this may have played into the decision of Ashurnasirpal II to move to Kala uh -huh. because his family his father was to cult in Ninurta II, so he was obviously very much into Ninurta. And then Ashurnasirpal II moved, his, moved the capital to Ninurta city. Other important gods here, yeah, we mentioned them. Shamash, the sun god, Adad, the storm god, and Sin, the moon god. Yes. I do believe that, you know, that, that fact that Asher reflected all the gods and all that. I think the average people, though, they didn't really get into all that. I mean, they had to make sure that they're peas were growing properly and they just did their worship to the whoever was in charge of peas yeah you may be right about the little bearded guy being ninurta 
because he was also the god of warfare and hunting and had the role of being the firstborn son of Asher. Yeah. And also in in the cities, of course, you had temples to other gods than the city god. Right. And their wife. So there's there's a shrine to Ninurta in Asher, for example. Yes. Ishtar was mainly love and battle, so she was also into war. Yeah, she Ishtar is kind of like Aphrodite. Isn't she like the only female god with any power? Yeah. So what is and then what? Uh, what is what is Zeus's wife's name? Hera. Right. So it's like Aphrodite and Hera. Also, Asher seems to have very little. Uh... No, that was it. She's kind of both. Ishtar co- covers both of those because I think Hera has war and. And all that, and but Aphrodite is just peace, is just love and beauty, and she's sort of a drama queen. But Ishtar was beautiful also, and sort of a drama queen. But she also was was war, where Aphrodite's not war at all. I th- think she has a, a splash of Athena and Artemis as well for war and hunting. That you know, I meant Athena. I think I might have meant Athena over here. It's that's what's confusing. There's the, the Greeks had more powerful female gods, where Ishtar was the only really powerful female um, that I'm aware of in the Mediterranean. I'm sorry, in the Mesopotamian. If we seem confused, that's because this is confusing. It's true. It is so true. The personality of Asher seems to be like a mirror of the personality the king wants Mm -hmm. to convey. Like he is stern, austere, doesn't do any shenanigans. He's not uh, Zeus. He doesn't go around raping people disguised as a swan. Right. He's like really serious all of the time. That's very true. And all the personality, interesting personality traits goes for the other gods. Yeah. Very true. You don't really have anybody like Zeus that's that cool. Do you in the Mesopotamian, in the Mesopotamian pantheon? No, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Interesting. There is, of course... Babylonia nearby. Babylonia Hmm. with a similar culture with mostly the same gods. And remember the old Cassin complex that the Assyrians are the Cassin from the country compared to the Babylonians when it comes to culture and science. So Babylonian influence is enormous. Yes. And of course... Deities start to show up in Assyria that were not important in Assyria before. And especially three Babylonian gods make a lot of impact on Assyria and become important. That's Elil, Marduk, and Nabu. Right. And the Assyrians sold this by making Asher Elil as well. So Asher actually has the name Elil. So anything that is Elil will be Asher. Right. But Marduk is a huge problem because the Babylonians think he is the number one god. Right. But I actually am glad you brought that up because that is an important part I kind of missed. So what if you were, and we talked about this in like the 680s and the 670s, I think. So they kind of made it like this, the battles and things that were going on on earth also were happening in the heavens. So if you go way, even go way back further to the treaty of after the Battle of Kadesh, right? The Egyptians and the Hittites. The treaty has the, the, the Egyptians say they have this part of the world, you know, and the Hittites can have this part. But also they say the gods 
So the Egyptian sun god is in control of that area, right? And the heaven and that in the land too. And then the Hittite storm god is in charge there. So they made an agreement like this is where the world is divided up. And so when the when this started happening with Marduk, they started the Assyrians and the their theologians and stuff started saying that Marduk was a part of Asher. In other words, Asher's the main god. He's our city god. It's really just like Yahweh, you know, where Yahweh was a, was a local god. He was a regional god. We know he came from a mountain. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, this is his people. And then he's the god of the whole universe. So it's very, very, very similar. And that's kind of how they dealt with it by saying, well, he, Asher's the god. So that's kind of how, the, you know, the, they did it in Israel and the Hebrews did it. They were like, well, he's the god of everything. Like, that's just it. This did piss off uh, Sennacherib. So he was actually doing anti-Marduk stuff. Yeah. Because he felt that Marduk had become way too important. So in some Babylonian poetry, Sennacherib decided that the name Marduk should be exchanged for Asher. Yep. Even if it messed up the poems. <laughs> How does that... <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I could imagine the rhymes in the poems with those words you've been saying. And of course, the, the poem of creation is a very important Babylonian poem. Right. But in the Assyrian copies, Marduk is just cut and replaced with Asher. Right. Yeah, it's right. Oh, you know another interesting thing on that same thing is that there's Assyrian names that basically say um, Asher is all the gods. That you know how different names mean Asher has had a son, you know, these kind of things. Well there's yeah. a, there's there's names that are Asher is all the gods. So we know for a fact that some people did believe that, you know, as an actual thing. Yeah. We do have um, temples are usually shared between the male god and his wife. Mm-hmm. But there are some exceptions that when two male gods can share a temple, but they are equally important. For example, it's a temple of An and Adad and okay. a temple of Sin and Shamash. They are cohabiting the temple. Well, that Sin and Shamash definitely go together. The sun and the moon. And even if you don't have priests, 
uh, in a, the sense we have in Christianity. The temples had uh, staff, people working mm-hmm. for the temples. They were sort of an economic unit. And this f- became less and less important. And the later Neo-Syrian kings had much more direct control of the temples than the early ones. Yeah, yes, yes. It's funny, it reminds me too, like of the, the more primitive people that they would, you know, come across and they would have their stuff in, in the fields, you know, in the groves. They said they destroyed their groves and then the more advanced civilizations had temples. And the temple was financed with uh, a land grant, so the temple had land which financed all its things. And these were, of course, granted to them by the king. At least that's what the king said, even if they had their land since forever. And that would be in other territories too. So like if it was in Haran or something, as we remember, Azar had and fixed up the temple and the moon god in Haran pretty big. So that was another good thing. If a king adopted your temple, um, you know, you would get a lot more resources towards that temple. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Then the king would have to be more involved sometimes and have to come for the ceremonies and and, uh, festivals and things like that. Uh, do you remember the Akitu? We didn't talk about it today, but... That's the New Year's Festival, right? Yes. Yeah. Also a heavy Babylonian influence, but the most important uh, religious ceremony in Assyria. Oh, yeah. And then remember, they didn't do it for 20 years because that was a big, big deal. Remember the gods were in, still in, um, in Nineveh? Uh, the Assyrian Akitu is quite different from the Babylonian one. It marks the beginning of a new year, but you could... Hold it. There was an Akitu temple in each major city. I didn't know that. Of Assyria. And then you could hold it like at any time of the year, really. But it was sort of the same time every year. Huh. That's interesting. And of course, there was this parade. But Sennacherib, by the time of Sennacherib, it had moved into inside the walls of the city. So he was upset and made the Akitu happen outside the city once again. Ah, a return to the old ways. Like, let's do it like they did in the days of old. Yeah, don't be changing things in around Assyrians. They're very conservative, as we know. So an elaborate procession with a god statue, and then, and I assume there would be many gods in this parade, and, mm-hmm. and then the great banquet. And then the god granted the king the right to rule another year. Hooray! I, feel, I do feel like a lot of times when you read historians and, you know, really uh, very um, scholarly type works, you know, and I guess if you, th- if you talked about it in our own time, you know, they would say, well, the, it keeps them feeling like they're in order and all these things. I, I don't know if I wonder if people really thought about that much as much as the theologians and the people that are more into it thought, you know, is this, hey, there's like a big party and there's God here and cause and effect. We got to give him a sheep. We gotta sacrifice some things, we'll get our crops, you know, that kind of thing. The Akitu sounds kind of fun. Weren't totally we going fun. to time travel to the Babylonian Absolutely. Akitu? Yeah. I would I would like backpack to all the Akito temples around the empire. I mean, there's a million fun things. Their religion was a lot more fun. I also want to stress how tolerant the Assyrians were to foreign yes. gods. That's another good point. And I think a really good thing if you were in invaded or threatened by Assyria was to have another religion where your god wasn't a statue because then the Assyrians couldn't steal I wonder what would happen if they fought the druids well, they, they would, would have, have, like, have to things. steal the holy trees 
Well, that's what they did in Elam. Remember, they went and they just they they crashed. They ripped up all those groves. Speaking about trees, what about that weird tree? Well, there you go. That's the theme. Do you know anything about the tree? Uh, yeah, some. I'm, I'm not going to be able to really articulate it perfectly, but the tree is a, the tree symbolizes that Asher is all the gods, and all the parts of the tree are the different gods. And there's also a body where the where the head is, I believe, Asher, or, and I think actually Anu is the head, and then the ears are different ones, and then the that one guy we said he's the male genitalia. There's the feet, like there's another chart where the gods are charted out. So the gods are also charted out on that tree, and they have those numbers I was mentioning. So you add up the numbers, and they all equal Asher. And if you get a new god, you could reef. They fudge the numbers somehow. It's always Asher equals a thousand, but it also equals one. Sometimes Asher was written as one slash 60. That means he is all the gods. He's everything. This is not getting less confusing. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. I read it so many times, I can't even explain it. It's so very... Is this, do we know this, or is this a theory about the tree? No, well, that's what they say. No, that is the thing. It's the, the, the numbers. It adds up to the numbers. That is what oh. it is. The numbers, are, that's an actual thing. Like, if you were just an Asterian student, an average person, you would go up to your re- person who knows the religion and say, what does the tree mean? And he would explain to you. Sort of like somebody would explain, explain the Trinity to you, to you, and you'd be like, huh? I don't quite get it. Because if you look at pictures of the Assyrian kings and if you in the palaces themselves, the, the tree was commonly depicted. Yeah, the tree does represent, it represents Asher. It represents the whole, everything, that the king is his, that, that the king is his, um, you know, representative on earth, basically his son, in a way, sort of Jesus-like. It is very... <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I yeah. think uh, that uh, we are done with religion. Yeah, I think we should be done with religion. I think because we could totally get in trouble and go way out, way, way out. But yeah, there's God as a tree, there's God as a body. You know, it was all those things. But And of course, this is, this is extremely hard to understand. It's like doing uh, psychology on ancient people that we don't really know what they were thinking. We know what they told us, but the Assyrians were lousy historians, and they didn't go into explaining anything except how awesome they were and what areas they conquered and who they beat up. You're you're 100 percent right, you're, you're, and everything you said. I mean, we just we don't. There could be the, the smallest piece that we're missing, you know, how they thought about, it, and we're just extrapolating. But and of course, after the empire was destroyed, nobody. Uh, went back to this religion it died with the empire um oh, except except that it survived in babylonia yeah i think um if i ever want to f- if I f- if we ever flesh this out again in an episode it may add enkidu involved because enkidu is is very um interested in this actually we may do another episode with enkidu on P- please do an episode called enkidu corrects dan and bernie on religion <laughs> <laughs> You hear that, Enkidu? I love that. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> I, I really hope we didn't confuse, but maybe that's the idea, is to say that, Assyri- you know, and the bottom line is, Assyrian and thus Mesopotamian religion wasn't as simple as Azure is a war god and they just are bloodthirsty, you know, empire. It really was way, way 
less simple than that. Way more complicated. It still seems more believable than the Viking religion. Which is? I want to do uh, an episode or a podcast on the Viking religion at some point because that is the least believable religion ever. <laughs> if, you, if you look into what the, the people of my country and Scandinavia believed during the Viking Age is just so crazy. Wow. Like um, Yggdrasil, the tree with all the world. And uh, that the world came from uh, a cow. <laughs> and it's like oh, it, nothing makes sense in Viking mythology. But that's another matter for another That would episode. be another matter for sure. That and the, the flying spaghetti monster, he's another, that's another crazy religion. That's a fake religion. Will, um, so you mean that they're real religions? Yes, that's not a real <laughs> one. Uh, okay, let's let's stop this before we get into more trouble. Please, you're absolutely right. So, again, the Patreon page, the Facebook... Dan will talk about Patreon, but I will love it if you uh, interact with the Facebook page, send me messages on the Facebook page. Um, you could talk about Dan on the Facebook page if you want to, even though he reads it, but he's, he's okay with it. And, um, you know, definitely I love when the listeners interact. I, I appreciate it. And if you haven't been offended by this uh, episode and your god <laughs> doesn't want to make us eat a ton of wool, <laughs> then, <laughs> then you could check out uh, our Patreon page. <laughs> so go to patreon.com, fan of history, make a contribution. We would love it. Yes, please. <laughs> yes. And please don't banish us. Please don't banish us. We'll be back again with more episodes. And I don't promise. make us present white horses to your god. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah, we're done. See you next time, Dan. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fan of history. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.